Hey, welcome to episode number 29 of the Mimi B Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard, and you're listening to the Mimi B Magazine podcast, a lifestyle podcast all on health, relationships, sex, career, and self-development. This podcast is designed to entertain, inspire, and to motivate you to become the best version of yourself possible. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey guys, I'm super pumped about today's guest. Her name is Melissa Ambrosini. She's the best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. She's the host of the top-rated podcast, The Melissa Ambrosini Show. She's also a speaker and a self-love teacher. Melissa is such an inspirational girl, and I'm really happy I got her on the podcast. Enjoy today's episode, and make sure to rate me a little five-star review if you enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Now on to today's episode. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm just so pumped to have you on my podcast today. I actually, for you guys listening, um, I listened to a podcast that Melissa did on the Almost 30 uh, podcast, and I fell in love with her work. I was just like, I need you on the show. You're exactly what my audience needs. You literally preach everything that I believe in as well, and you're such a girl boss. You've written two incredible books, and I'm just so happy to have you on. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Great. So let's just get started with your story. Like, I want to know more about, you know, how you got to where you are today, how you, like what experiences you went through to write your two books, Open Wide and Master Your Mean Girl. Yes. Yeah, so I hit rock bottom in 2010 but before I hit rock bottom, I was living a very different life to the life that I live now. I was a professional dancer. I danced at the Moulin Rouge in Paris and I actually lived in London for two years as well. And I was an actress and I did TV presenting, but I was burning the candle at both ends. And in 2010, I hit rock bottom and I ended up in hospital really unwell and unhappy. So I had a whole host of health issues like adrenal fatigue and chronic fatigue and thyroid issues and my entire immune system shut down. And not only did I have all of these chronic health issues, I also was dealing with a lot of emotional blockages as well from anxiety and depression and panic attacks and eating issues And this kind of led me into this downward spiral where I ended up in hospital with no more candle left to burn and no health and no happiness. And it was laying in that hospital bed that I realized that I was the one that got myself there and I was the only one that could get myself out. So I made it my absolute mission to get healthy and happy again. I had no idea how, absolutely no idea. I just knew that there had to be another way. I I knew deep down in my soul, even though I wasn't really as conscious back then, but I knew deep, deep down that we weren't put here on earth to suffer and that God or the universe or whatever you believe in didn't put you here to suffer and that I needed to make some radical shifts in my life in order to live a better life. And so from there, 
I went on and studied holistic nutrition and uh, wanted to really learn how to nourish my body. And I, I realized soon after that, that it wasn't just about what you put in your mouth. I mean, you can be drinking all the green smoothies in the world, but if you have a very loud inner mean girl, as I call it, then there's no point. And so I went on and started uh, learning about acuenergetics, which is energy healing work and Reiki. And I did my yoga teacher training and my meditation teacher training. And I became a certified life coach. And I started this thing called a blog. This was back in 2010 when, you know, no one had blogs. And I began sharing what I was learning and getting hundreds of thousands of clicks and downloads and likes and follows and comments. And all of these people were just resonating so deeply with what I was sharing. So honestly and authentically, and people would stop me in the street and say, I thought I was the only one that had, you know, an issue with eating or my relationship with my body. And so I continued to share and I wrote my first ebook. I created my first e-course. I began being asked to speak all over the world as a motivational speaker. Um, I got my first book deal uh, for Mastering Your Mean Girl, which is all about mastering that egoic fear-based voice inside your head and living your best life. And I started my podcast and this all started back in 2011 and I've been on this journey since. I've just continued to put one foot in front of the other. I am so deeply committed to my growth and this spiritual path and living in alignment and helping and supporting others and that is what everything I do is centered around is is how I can support and help and uplift other people because I believe that I went through that in order to help other people now do the same thing. That is such an incredible story. I love that so much. So tell me when you first were going through this change did, was it like, obviously it's hard when you go through massive change, but it seems like it was just like the snowball effect for you. You just got, got better and better. And all these opportunities started coming to you when you started changing and mastering your, your inner mean girl. I, I'm just wondering, like, were you always driven or did you ever have points where you're like, nah, I want to give up. Nah, this isn't working. I've always been a very driven person. Like I've always gone for whatever I've wanted, whether it was in my dancing career, in my acting career, I've always gone for it. Like if I want something, I go for it and I just put my head down and I go for it. But of course there's times where there was times where, you know, you feel like you've taken five steps forward and then 15 steps back and you question things and you doubt everything. Of course, I've had moments of that, but I know the truth. And the truth is that that inner mean girl that's telling you that you're not good enough or you're not going fast enough or you're a failure, that's not who we truly are. Who we truly are is that beautiful essence that resides in our heart space. That's our truth. And everything else is just fear. 
And so I knew this deep down and all those times where I fell down, I had this desire and this drive to just keep going and keep going because it's so worth it. And on the other side is growth and evolution. Yeah, absolutely. So you call your inner critic your inner mean girl. And I have this thing that I call my superwoman, which I tell my followers about. And she is the ideal version of myself who I can be whenever I choose to be. So I do a little meditation in the morning. And this actually, this meditation, I kind of, I took from this Tony Robbins seminar that I went to at the beginning of this year, and I kind of made it my own. So I visualize the person that I want to be And that's my superwoman. That's what I call her. And when I meditate, I envision her right in front of me. And I see how she looks, how she holds herself, how she would act in certain situations. And we just kind of chat for for the 5 to 15, 20 minutes that I meditate. And it changes my my day completely. And, you know, I've done podcasts on my morning routine. And this is a really important part of it. So, you know, that's, that's so amazing that you, you talk about your inner mean girl and how to, you know, banish those thoughts. I think the way that I've kind of gone about it is to just like concentrate on my ideal version of myself, my superwoman. And then like it, it kind of, she, she takes the reins with my inner critic, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So which, like, do you ever do visualizations on like, who you want to be as well? Or is it just like really concentrating on bashing out that inner critic? I do a lot of visualization. Like I'm visualizing things often throughout the day. Um, I do a lot of visualizing at the end of my meditation. If there's something that I really want to see manifest in a certain way, I will visualize it. I'll see it. Um, I do it, you know, if I'm waking, if I wake up early and I'm just laying there for a little while, kind of slipping from unconscious to conscious realm, I will do it then. So, um, I'm, I'm constantly visualizing, you know, just even, um, little things like how I want my day to unfold and then bigger things like, you know, bigger goals that I want to achieve. So yes, I absolutely love visualizing, but I, practice mastering my inner mean girl every day. You know, we have between 60 and 80,000 thoughts a day. So that's potentially 60 to 80,000 inner mean girl thoughts going on inside your mind. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not skinny enough. Who do you think you are? You're never going to meet the guy. You're never going to be able to write the book. You're not smart enough, whatever it is. Right. And so I practice my three-step mastering your mean girl process, which I talk about in both of my books, but especially in mastering your mean girl, I have this three-step process that I do every day. And it's a very simple process and it's really powerful. Um, It's simple, but it doesn't mean it's always going to be a walk in the park. And how it goes is the first step is awareness. You have to have a level of self-awareness in order for you to be able to catch these inner mean girl thoughts. So awareness is the first step. 
And sometimes I find writing it down really helpful. So saying, you know, writing down, my mean girl is currently telling me that I'm never going to get out of debt, or my mean girl is currently telling me that I'm never going to meet the guy. And I write those inner mean girl thoughts down. And then the second step is we gently close the door on those thoughts. So what a lot of people do is when these fear-based limiting beliefs come knocking on their mental door, they allow them to come in and they invite them over for a cup of TV, a cup of tea, sorry, and to sleep over. And what we want to do is say thank you, but no thank you and gently close the door. It's not about slamming the door in your inner critic's face. You know, visualize it like an annoying salesperson who comes knocking on your door, you know, and they want to give you this big long spiel about some product that you're absolutely not interested in. You know, you'd say thank you, but no thank you, I'm not interested today. And that's the same thing that we have to do with our inner critic. And then the third step is we choose love instead. So we get out of our head and we slide back on down into our heart space and we choose love instead. So the three-step process is awareness, gently close the door, and then choose love instead. It's a very, very simple process, but doesn't always mean it's going to be super duper easy. But the more you practice it, the better you get at it. Yeah. And I'm sure that could just take only a few moments if you've done it so many times just to go over it in your head. If, if you know, you're looking in the mirror and I go through this all the time too, like as much personal growth as I've been through, like I still all the time have those thoughts, you know, <clears throat> sorry, I'm a bit sick. <laughs> and, you know, it's something I feel like so many people are always going to struggle with, but it's just a matter of taking control of those thoughts when you get them and not letting them take over you. So that's such a great, yeah, that's such a great process that I want to use now. So I actually want to buy your books right after this podcast. I haven't bought them yet, but I'm going to get them on Amazon. (laughs) Yes. You would love them, honey. They're, they're so powerful. You would absolutely love both of them. Yeah. And I'm such a reader. I love to read a lot. And I feel like your content is like everything that I want. So I love this. We've spoken about master your mean girl, which is banishing that inner critic and just taking control of your thoughts. Going to open wide. That was your first book, right? No, open wide was my second book. Oh, it was your second. Mm -hmm. Okay. So open wide, it's all about relationships. And from the description that I read, It says, it's a must-have love, sex, and relationship guide to the modern woman. I love that. So my question for you is, you know, it's all about relationships. How do you ensure that, let's just say one of our listeners is in a current relationship and they really want it to last. Is there any big tips that you would give them to keep up a healthy relationship and to have it last long and just be eternally in love with your partner and for them to be eternally in love with you and have a happy relationship? That is a hugely loaded question and (laughs) you've got to read open wide because this is exactly what I talk about. I answer all of those questions in depth. Um, The 
subtitle for Open Wide is A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships, and Soulful Sex. So if you want deep love, if you want rocking relationships with yourself and with your friends and your family and your lover, and if you want deep love, uh, sorry, and soulful sex, then this book is for you. It's for anyone who wants to take their relationship with themselves and with others to the next level. And I don't know anyone who doesn't want that. It's also, yes, it's written for women, but a lot of men have read it and I have had email after email, private message after private message saying, thank you so much, Melissa, for writing this book. I now understand my wife or my partner so much deeper. So thank you so much. Um, It's changed our relationship. So it's really beautiful. So it is really for everyone and you will get so much out of it, especially if you want to take those relationships to the next level. Um, I give you all of my tips and tricks, uh, all of my relationship tips, all of my relationship tricks, um, how to call in your soulmate. Um, my number one. How do you call in your soulmate? That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I share about it in the book and a lot of it comes back to really getting truly truthful with yourself and getting to a place of love for yourself and getting really clear on the type of person you want and you desire in your life. And then we have some rituals that you can do to really call in your soulmate. I share my favorite relationship tool, which is called CCC, Crystal Clear Communication, and how you can practice that. Um, It's jam-packed and it's such an amazing book and, um, and it's a guide for anyone, you know, because relationships are our biggest spiritual assignments. They're our biggest assignment and we're not taught how to be in them. No one gives us a manual as we're coming out of the birth canal and saying and says, here's your relationship guide. Good luck. You know, we learn from watching our parents. And for some people, that is a really great example of what unconditional love and unionship and partnership looks like. And then in other households, it is an incredibly toxic relationship, uh, incredibly toxic schooling and environment to witness. So unless you were, you won the gene lottery and your parents were beautiful examples of unconditional love and partnership and unionship, then we may have to reschool ourselves, which is what I've had to do and which, which is why, which is why I wrote this book. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to having a relationship being a massive personal growth step, I completely relate to that. I've been dating Ben, my boyfriend, for a year now, and he's my first boyfriend, and we've moved really fast. Like, we're totally in love. And it's been such a big learning curve for me. I thought I knew everything, and then I jumped into this relationship and realized I didn't. And it's taught me a lot about myself. And, you know, it's, it's, he's my best friend and my partner. And it's, it's a hard thing to have a great relationship, but, you know, the communication thing is so important. You're so right. I think that's the the foundation of, of all relationships is the crystal clear communication. And I'm so excited to read your book because 
I'm actually going to give it to Ben after I read it. I want him to read it too. Absolutely. He will get so much out of it, honey. He really will. Amazing. That's great. So did you write this book after being in a long-term relationship yourself? Mm -hmm, I did. So I met my soulmate um, and before I met him, I didn't believe in soulmates. I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to have kids. I didn't believe in any of that. I didn't believe in monogamy. I didn't subscribe till death do us part. I thought it was the biggest load of BS. And then when I met my husband, I said to one of my best friends, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to marry him. And she was like, whoa, you don't believe in marriage and you don't, you know, you don't want to have kids. And, and I was like, yeah, but I do. I know, I know. And people had always said to me, when you know, you know, and I used to be like, whatever, that is the biggest load of BS ever. And then when I met my husband, (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, I know this is it. This is what everyone talks about. (laughs) This is what the fairy tales talk about. And it literally was like that. When I met him uh, and we, you know, we got together I just knew I, it was like coming home. It was so easy and so comfortable and safe and secure. And he was at a place as well because he'd been married before and he has a son and he was the same. He didn't want to get married and he didn't want to have any more kids. And so when we got together, it was just like, oh my God, where where have you been all my life? Like we... I have been, you know, you are my one, you are my one. And we've been together in many past lives, which we've discovered through different readings and things like that. Um, No way. That's so cool. Really? Yeah, absolutely. It's the stories are amazing. We were brothers in a past life and Oh my um, God. I'll actually tell you, I'll tell you this story. We were brothers. We were actually yeah. married in another past life and we had five kids and we were in the South of France and we were nobility, like we were noble and I got the plague and made and actually killed my whole family and we all. Oh my God. That was one of our past lives. Another one of our past lives were we were brothers and I actually watched Nick drown and it's really interesting because Nick is a surfer and I love the ocean so much. But for anyone that knows me really well, knows that I'm a kind of, I'm the kind of girl that gets in, dips under and gets out. Like I'm not, I don't go out the back of the waves and I don't hang out in the ocean for a really long time. I don't enjoy it. Like I don't love swimming out really far. I get a little bit I wouldn't say scared, but I just don't enjoy it. So I don't do it. And, but I stand on the shore and I love watching Nick surf and body surf. And I stand on the shore with this ear to ear grin on my face. And he comes in and I'm just like, it's almost like I've been out there having the best time, but watching him for me is so joyful. Like, I'm just like, how will you look like you had so much fun? Like I just get so much joy out of watching him play in the water. I don't know why. And we've always thought that was really sweet. And he's always like, oh, that's so cute that you love that. You love watching me so much. And I'll just stand there and just be in awe. 
And uh, then we found out that we were brothers in this past life and he drowned, which is why I obviously have so much joy now watching him swim. Um, so that was really interesting, st- another interesting past life we've had. Um, but getting back to the story, yeah, we I just knew. And we had both done a lot of personal development work before we met each other. We had really been on a serious exponential growth journey. And so we'd got into a place of inner peace and contentment within ourselves that we had never felt before. And then we called each other in and it was magnetic and beautiful and it still is. And we got married five years ago and it's just absolutely beautiful. He's my my lover, my best friend, my business partner. Um, he's just such a beautiful human being and I adore him every day. I'm so grateful for him. I, every day I write down, you know, he's always at the top of my gratitude list every single day. And, and yeah, I'm just very grateful to share this journey with him. That's such an incredible story. And it's, it's crazy. I can relate so much. Like my life has changed since meeting Ben as well. And he's always at the top of my gratitude list. Like I, it's the first thing that comes to my mind every time I want to think about what I'm grateful for. It's just so incredible finding somebody like that. And I think it's so important too, like for the listeners, like I never settled before Ben. I never went into a relationship because I wanted to feel what it would be like to have a boyfriend because I never really had anything that serious before him. And it was hard at times because I felt, you know, I met Ben when I was 21. I'm now 22. But it was hard because I, I was like, all my friends have had boyfriends since they were like 15. Like, come on, what's wrong with me? And I just, you know, stuck it out. And I did a lot of the personal growth um, that I needed to do, which I, in retrospect, think it was so important to do before my relationship because now I have this this different part of me. You know what I mean? It's not like, like I've gone through that growth myself before meeting Ben and, you know, he's five years older. So he's gone through a lot of growth himself and he's had a lot of relationships before me. So I think we met at the right time. It's like right person, right time. And that was so important. So that's so great that both of you went through your personal development before meeting. And I think that's like a really big key to a healthy, happy relationship is just like you know, being 100% you. And I don't think I was 100% me a few years ago. I, I didn't, I wasn't comfortable with the real me and I wasn't as confident and I wasn't as honest and pure. And I was really affected by, you know, what other people thought of me and all that jazz. So I don't even know where I'm getting to with this, but yeah, that's, that's great that you kind of did your own thing and just like brought him in and he was going through his own thing too. And then he brought you in and that's just so special and romantic. And I love that so much. It's crazy. Oh yeah. It's very, it was very, very beautiful. Still is very beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Love that. So I want to really quickly go back to mastering your mean girl. I have a few more questions with that. Um, you know, obviously you do your three step process when you when you hear her but are there any times where she just won't go away and you just don't know what to do and in cases like that what would you do there are times where she is louder than others but I always know what to do um 
and that's take myself through that three-step process and reminding myself that that's not my truth. You know, sitting in fear and suffering is not my truth. And there are things that pop up, but you just, the more you practice returning back to love, the easier it gets. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be rainbows and butterflies and unicorns every day. It just means that when you commit to living your truth and being in alignment with your higher self and cultivating a level of self-awareness that unlocks so much of what you truly desire in your life, it's such a rewarding feeling that when you do slip into those mean girl thoughts, you're like, this is uncomfortable. And it doesn't mean you suppress it. It just means you move through it as quickly as you possibly can so that you can get back to who you truly are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I feel like my inner mean girl is more quiet when I do the right steps in the morning and I actually do my morning routine and I keep that as a habit. Like I've experimented with morning routines for years now and it's a big topic on on my podcast. And I actually listened to one of your podcast episodes yesterday and you were talking about morning routines too. And you're totally into that as well, which I love. So let's go into, you know, how you prime your day. I know for a fact that, you know, like I just said, when I have my morning meditation and I do my little morning routine and my writing and my gratitude list, and I don't look at my phone the second I wake up and I wake up early and I just feel really, you know, calm in the morning and I'm, I'm happier. My day is completely different. You know, I'm, I'm happier. I don't have as many negative thoughts. I'm doing the right things. You know, I'm, I'm not sitting on my social media scrolling and feeling depressed. You know, I'm, I'm just making the right movements. What do you do in the morning that ensures that you will have an awesome mm, day? Such a great question. There are a, a bunch of things that I do. The first thing I do is I always say good morning to my husband and we say, what are three things you're grateful for? And he'll share his and then I'll share mine. That is how we start every single day, every day. And... um Sometimes we'll connect and we'll stay in bed and we'll cuddle and we'll kiss or we'll make love um, if we have the time. And then we get up and I do a a few um, ancient Ayurvedic techniques. So I do tongue scraping and oil pulling. I'll wash my face. I then do my 20-minute meditation. I'll do a little bit of yoga, maybe usually 15 minutes just on my floor in my bedroom, on my underwear. Sometimes don't even pull my yoga mat out. I don't get fancy clothes. I just get into it. Um, If I'm in, we have two homes and if I'm in my Noosa home, I'll have a bath. Uh, My other home doesn't have a bath and I love baths. So I'll have like an, an essential oils and Epsom salt bath and just soak in that, which I absolutely love. And we have infrared saunas, so I'll jump in the sauna sometimes. Um, and dreamy, I love it. Yeah, that. it's it's we've created our homes to be wellness sanctuaries, which is just so beautiful. And sometimes I'll go for a walk, um, or might you know uh, have a little dance around the kitchen. 
and make myself a beautiful, delicious breakfast. And then I start my day. Amazing. That's great. Yeah. I I love that so much. And you know what? Yesterday morning, I had a little dance party by myself too. And I hadn't done that in so long, but it really changed my mindset. And I was just in such a positive mood all day. It really is so, you know, I, I think a lot of people just undermine dancing and what it can do for your mind. You know, even a five minute dance party around your room, like it just completely puts you in such a positive mood. Yeah, absolutely. And you have dancing um, background, so I guess you're more used to dancing around. But even with people, even for people that don't um, have dancing background, I think it's so important. And it's such a like lighthearted kind of, you know, it's a way to to express your creativity a lot, I think. Yeah, and and by no means, even though I have a dancing background, I'm not dancing hard out. I am being silly and just moving my body and singing. And I love singing in the car. Like I turn the volume really loud in the car and I think I am Beyonce and I just love it. It makes me so happy. I just love it so much. Me too. I love it. That's so great. So another question for you, what would you tell one of our listeners, let's say one of our listeners is at a point in their life where they're just like, "Ugh, I need more. I don't feel like I'm where I want to be. I don't feel like I'm the person I want to be. I feel stuck and I don't really know what to do. Is there any pieces of advice you'd give them? First, read Mastering Your Mean Girl. That is the first step. The second step is work out what it is that you want to do with your life in terms of career, like what really lights you up? What can you see yourself doing? What brings you so much joy? And then create that and do that. Whatever it is, do that. Um, I cannot imagine doing a job that I don't like. I, I've, I just can't imagine doing that now. It's I've been there and I've done that and it's really hard and I cannot imagine being there now. And we all deserve to do something that we love. We all deserve to express ourselves fully creatively and to share our gifts with the world. It's our role now to just work out what it is that we want to do and then do that. (coughs) Excuse me. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But what if they feel like they have things holding them back? Like, oh, you know, I don't have enough money to do what I want. I'm stuck in this job, you know, and giving themselves excuses. Like, is there anything really, you know, because for me, when I, I, the first personal growth book that I read was The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. It's such a great book. Have you I've read had it? him on my show and yes, I have read it. Oh my God, dream. I love him. Like he has literally changed my life. Like that was the book my mom gave me when I was 18. What a good woman. the first – I know. She was going through all this personal growth too and she was like – to my girls, like my sister and I, she was like, I need to give you this book. You need to read it. And, you know, I read it at a really great time in my life. I was in university and I was just like, oh my God, what do I do with my life? I don't feel like I fit in here. You know, I have such – 
bigger dreams. Like I don't want to be in this small town, like all of this stuff. So it was happened at a great time, freaked her out because it actually made me drop out of university and move to London (laughs) and start my blog. But you know what? It turned out pretty well. Um, But yeah, so the principle in that book that I always tell people, it's like my number one thing is the first chapter. And it it says, take 100% responsibility for your life. And I think that's just like, and again, going back to the awareness part of your, the first uh, step in your three-step process of, of, you know, banishing your inner critic, awareness is everything. So the awareness of being 100% responsible for your life is the first step. It's realizing that everything you've produced up to this point is because of you. It's not because of your family and how you, where you grew up and this and that. Like, yes, that has a toll for sure. It takes a toll, but you know, you hear stories all the time of people like Oprah and like, you know, everyone that started from somewhere really quite negative and, and bringing their life into, you know, being this massive, flourish, beautiful, uh, you know, giving back kind of existence. And I think it's possible for everybody. And I think the 100% taking 100% responsibility for your life is like the first step. And I always, like I said, tell people like, the second that you realize that you're in total control is the second that you understand that you can change and you can change the outcome that you're producing because you're in total control. So yeah, I don't know where I was going with this, but yeah, I, I think that's like a massive thing as well that I like to tell people. Absolutely, honey. It's so true. And you would love my episode with Jack. So listen on my podcast. If you love him, go and listen to that episode. He is amazing. And you're exactly right. We do need to take responsibility. This is what I realized in 2010 when I was in hospital. I was like, okay, I've got to stop blaming my parents for why I'm so effed up and I've got to take ownership because this is my journey and I need to own it. And the only way I'm going to grow and evolve is if I do it and no one's going to do it for me. So Yes, we absolutely do need to take ownership. We need to step into our true power. We need to master our mean girl so that we can live a life that we truly desire. And it is it is so possible for everybody. We just have to get out of our own way, master our own mean girl and and show up and take responsibility. Yeah, and see the low points in your life as an opportunity to just really go head in and just like kill it. You know what I mean? Like like you said, you're in the hospital and you decided this. That's a pretty low point. You know what I mean? And and I think a lot of people, you know, they see success in a different way. They see it, and I used to see it in this way as well. They see it as something like just unattainable for people that have never been fucked up and have never gone through their own issues. And it's, you know, walk in the park, but it's not like, the motivation behind having a history of, of going through hardship, I think is, is really inspiring. And I've noticed that a lot of really successful and inspiring people have had those extremely low points. And that's what teaches you, you know, it it teaches you that life is low sometimes, but it's also really high sometimes. And I think you need to experience the low to experience the high. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's light and dark, everywhere. You know, there's a front and a back. And if you are expecting a life of just full rainbows and butterflies, then striving for that perfection is is going to 
feel quite challenging. Um, know that there's light and dark to everything and there's a front and back and, you know, it, it's everywhere. We That's just how the world works. There is polarity in everything and trying to control a life so it's all rainbows and butterflies is just going to cause you more stress than than it's worth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I absolutely loved this conversation. I am so excited to post this episode. I think so many people are going to benefit from this. Thank you so much for coming on. Seriously. Oh, you're so welcome, my love. It's been beautiful to chat to you. And I think getting this message out to the younger generation is just so important. And Mm -hmm. I know your tribe will absolutely love Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. Absolutely. I'm so excited to read them as well. I'm definitely going to go get them after this. All right. Thank you so much. And I will see you guys soon.